enjoying a drop in temperature this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. living abroad you never quite expect us to uh, hear yourself saying that it's quite pleasant that it's not scorchingly hot anymore but uh, it really is today it's a very nice day after about three solid weeks of horrible horrible humidity um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by the returning uh, for his first appearance of the podcast in 2016 English Dan. Hello and welcome to the pod and I've got to say I didn't particularly enjoy the drop in temperature because I happened to be in the air at the time but I'll have to tell the time. Yeah, your flight got diverted as a result of it. It did. It w- well, I mean, the, the drop in temperature really came last night rather than on Tuesday yeah. when you flew home. But, um, that was tell one us hell about of, the Odyssey, anyway. Oh, that was one hell of a storm. Like, you see kind of these storms sometimes in Buenos Aires that just come in. and it's, Last night as well, my flat was vibrating to, to the collapse of thunder. It was quite epic. And you never think, oh, I wonder what it would be like for the people who have to fly. I found out that it's not really that fun. I got back uh, from Colombia in, in the early hours of Wednesday, just in time for a mega storm which hit kind of the, I think it was mainly the southwest and, and northwest of, of Buenos Aires uh, at about, what, four o'clock in the morning local time. And that meant we couldn't land in Ezeiza, so we had to do a quick bailout and, and go out to Montevideo, uh, which meant three or four hours again sitting on the runway until we could finally come back buffeted by a wind to, um, to Buenos Aires and I was if we didn't go through one of them tunnel things I would have kissed the tarmac I think coming out of the plane it was pretty it was pretty harrowing yeah it, it sounds like an experience um, yeah not one I'd, I'd care to repeat but no indeed whatever doesn't kill you eh? absolutely keep that in mind always um, we will go through first of all the results from the Primera since we last recorded Take a very deep breath before doing so, because of course there have been two rounds of matches in the Primera since we last recorded. Just the 30 games in. Indeed. 29, 28. The first of these rounds of matches took place a week ago, um, kicking off on on Friday the 12th of February. We're recording on Friday the 19th. I imagine this will go up on the, uh, probably the early hours of Saturday. Um, And went as follows. Union got a 3-0 win at home to Tempele. Arsenal de Sarandi got a 3-1 win at home to Banfield. Quilmes were thrashed 4-2 at home by Colón. Godoy Cruz and Independiente drew 1-1 in Mendoza. Aldo Sibi beat Argentinos Juniors 3-2 in Mar del Plata. Uh, Estudiantes beat Atlético de Rafaela 1-0 in Rafaela. San Lorenzo got a 2-1 win over Sarmiento at home. Vélez Sarsfield got a 2-1 win over Olimpo at home. Racing got a 2-2 draw at home to San Martín de San Juan. They suffered a, an almost last-minute equaliser from Javier Toledo. Uh, Lanús beat Defensa Justicia 2-1. Rosario Central won the Clásico Rosarino 2-0 and could have won it 5 or 6-0 against Newell's Old Boys. Um, no exaggeration, really, though. They were superb throughout. Gimnasia y Crima La Plata got a 3-2 win over Patronato de la Juventud Católica. Um, in the clash of two of my favourite name clubs in this year's Primera. Boca Juniors got a uh, 1-0 defeat in La Bomonera to Atletico Tucumán. 41 years on, I think it is, from Atletico Tucumán's only previous win in La Bomonera. And Belgrano, in a fantastic match, I have to admit, um, got a 3-2 win over River in Córdoba. There have not been 30 matches, in fact, in spite of the uh, what Dan said just before I read these out, because both of the Rakan's matches... I changed matches, uh, 28. Uh, you did. I wasn't listening. Ah. Both of Huracan's matches uh, got postponed due to uh, their coach crash or coach tipping over as the driver took it basically. Coach action, overturning, I think. Um, to, um, to avoid it running off the motorway. Um, in Caracas, uh, which, which means that Tigre, away from home, and Argentinos Juniors, I think it was at home, um, they were both 
uh, postponed and they have their match this coming weekend postponed as well. So the round two match that got postponed for Huracan was away to Tigre. The round three match, we'll now move on to round three, which has just ended. Um, the round three match was at home to Alto Sibi. Um, and round three's matches that did go ahead on Tuesday were Banfield 1, Quilmes 1, Olimpo 0, San Lorenzo 2, and Argentinos Juniors 0, Vélez Sarsfield 3. On Wednesday, Defensa Justicia 4, Atletico de Rafaela 1, Newell's Old Boys 5, Racing 0, Patronato de Paraná 0, Arsenal de Sarandí 0, uh, Independiente 0, Rosario Central 2, San Martín de San Juan 0, Boca Juniors 1, Sarmiento 1, Gimnasia La Plata 3, and then yesterday, Thursday, we had Estudiantes de La Plata 1, Tigre 1, Colón 3, Belgrano 0, Tempele 0, Lanús 1, Atletico Tucumán 2, Union 0, and River 1, Godoy Cruz 2. Mm. Okay, uh, what does this mean? It means that it's sort of almost worth looking at the tables now, um, because we have had three matches and we're only going to get... 15 matches, of course, uh, with the, the group... T- uh, 16 matches, sorry, before the group tables are decided. So after this weekend, we'll be a quarter of the way through. So, particularly strong starters so far. Um, everybody, I think, when we met for our season preview, were expecting Rosario Central and San Lorenzo to be two of the stronger starters in, in Group 1. And so they have proved so far. Central with three wins from three, San Lorenzo with two and a draw. Um, fewer people noticed that Colón might stand a chance of doing well. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And this is a, a bit of a theme that we're going to get onto with Group 2 as well, um, because in Group 1, of course, Independiente and River Plate um, have both started less impressively than we might have uh, expected them to. And Group Group 2 is no different. Atletico Tucumán lead Group 2 on goal difference with three wins out of three. And I think we would all be agreed, and I'd Dan, you weren't there for the preview, of course, but I think you would also agree that looking at their opening two fixtures, which were at home to Racing and away to Boca Juniors, they probably weren't expecting any points at all from those. No, you'd say maybe one or two points um, was probably the, the best they could have hoped for. I didn't see either of those two games, I think, luckily, if, if you're a Racing fan, but you can see I saw a fair bit of the game yesterday against, against Union, who were another decent team. They've made a pretty solid start to the season as well. Um, they're just riding the crest of a wave at the moment. I mean, it's been a quite a while since since the Tucumán club has been been up in the top flight. It's six years to be precise, because mm. I remember I, I went to the corresponding fixture in 2010 in 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 Barrio Norte in Tucumán to watch Racing, which is a story I think I've told a couple of times on on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I saw you know you could see the. Stadium was absolutely packed last night for you know for a fixture nine o'clock on a on a Thursday evening a weekday and like, there's just yeah a real buzz about the club because they were very impressive at at the end of last season going up and they've got um, a strong team very balanced team they've got La Pulga who which might be the only glimpse of La Pulga we ever get in the in the Primera we're gonna see <laughs> and. I don't think it will last. I mean, it's only a short season, but it would be surprising to see it last quite this intensity the whole season. But yeah, fair play to them. They've they made a very good start. But straight up, that they've got essentially with with only one team going down on the points average, a point a game is is likely to just over a point a game. Let's say is is likely to be safe. They're already halfway towards the total. Oh, completely. If they yeah. can get eighteen points from this from sixteen matches, <coughs> then they're up. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather they're staying up so you think they, sh- they shouldn't get carried away with their position it's just uh, avoiding relegation no I would I would agree with you that uh, they're not they're probably not going to keep up this push all mm. the way through the campaign um, and therefore I don't think that we should be talking about them yet at least you know possibly in a few weeks time who knows um, as, as potential title uh, challenges yeah I mean they've beaten but the plus side is Mm-hmm. Like I say, if they can if they can get nine points from the next three matches as well, then essentially they can pretty much give up and, yeah. they, and they'll still be safe, probably. Yeah, it's something we've seen a few times from from newly promoted clubs, especially over the last couple of years. They have gone to places like the Bombonera, or, or they've you know uh, hosted River, um, Independiente, Racing, and and they've got results. It's by by no means the first kind of giant killing. Mm. Where the newly promoted clubs tend to struggle a bit more is kind of in the in the everyday, the 
you know, you got to go down to Tempoli, which know, is in a way kick off or you know or Patrick or Kilmes or Olimpo, one of these fixtures. Like, which is in a way what made yesterday's win over Union so yeah. impressive because that's precisely the kind of bread and butter fixture that perhaps is slightly more difficult for them to get up for. Um, yeah, but playing at home with with those two victories behind them, like you could see they. They were right, yeah. As I said, they're riding the Crestwell wave. We'll we'll see how it goes, like, but excellent, excellent start from. And talking about the effect that confidence can have, Colón. Colón. What's happened to Colón? They were brilliant against Belgrano yesterday mm. in the first half, particularly. Two goals in in a couple of minutes um, for it to go from one nil up to three nil up in in the blink of an eye, almost. The first of which, that is the first of those quick fire two. Um, was Alan Ruiz's second of the night from 30 yards out which was oh, an absolute rocket I think from what I saw um, yesterday Alan Ruiz happened to he was a player <laughs> who was fantastic when he first came on the scene for for San Lorenzo kind of what would you say he's not quite a Angel Correa kind of player but maybe a little bit more of a midfielder attacking midfielder player yeah he's a little more sort of stocky and I'm a, a bit less yeah more, more central and a bit yeah. less pacey and, and uh, not as much of a wide yeah close to a, a conventional number 10 but yeah. not because the conventional number 10 doesn't exist anymore we know mm. this and then I think he went to Brazil for a while maybe to Sao Paulo if, if, if I remember rightly up. and it didn't really work out for him he didn't play particularly much football and no, it's and it's great to see him come back in, uh, come Gre- back with a bang. Gremio, by the look of his uh, Google Grim- image. Ah, Gremio, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and you can see with three three goals already this season, he's getting close to his his yearly record already. Yeah, and they, I mean, they started last. Uh, they ended, sorry, last year very strongly after being mm. frankly awful for most of the year, and they, they scraped into a. Sudamericana yeah. uh, qualification playoff berth which they didn't manage to get they lost that one to Belgrano mm-hmm. um, but the the regular league season they ended with a draw followed by three straight wins um, I, think, I think Dario Franco's a, definitely a good a good match for him like mm. you know it's a coach who likes to attack likes to get men forward like and Cologne they usually be in a club that do that you know very direct very very pacey and that seems to be working for him so, yeah. so far Absolutely. Um, also, a, an honorary word for Aldo Sibi, who, like Atletico Tucumán and Lanús in Group 2, also have a 100% record, um, but don't have three wins from three, because as we mentioned, their, their match against Huracán was one of the ones that got postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling it must be Huracán against Argentinos Juniors this, this weekend, which has already been postponed as well. I said this before, um, before we recorded, but I'm, I'm going to say it again now, that... I'm very sorry for what happened to Huracan and everything, mm-hmm. but it, it seems to have taken on the, um, the, the the status of this great sort of tragedy when, in fact, nothing tragic actually ended up happening. I mean, yeah, it was quite close to being tragic mm-hmm. and it was, you know, an amazing story um, and all the rest of it. But essentially, Patricio Taranzos hurt his foot mm-hmm. and as a result, they've been allowed to get three matches postponed. Um, yeah, you think that's a bit excessive. I mean, contrast it with I know that this is a different era and indeed a different continent, but contrast it with what happened after the Munich air crash, where Man United then had to go and play a league fixture of a couple of. I think actually they were offered the um, the chance to to uh, postpone it as well, but they turned it down. They said they were going to play on. Um, not that I'm trying to suggest in any way that, that Manchester United are a more honest club or anything than Oregon. I wouldn't do that. Um, no. I'm not that arrogant, but. <laughs> It, it's a little bit, you know, I, I read in a couple of places the other day that they'd been told by the AFA, OK, two matches was enough, you're playing Argentinos this week. And then I was told by one of our listeners, I think it was Liam Harrison on, on Twitter, uh, a day or two ago, that in fact, yeah, they've had the, we, the, the weekend match this coming weekend postponed as well. And you think, surely they're, you know, OK, Taranto's injured and it happened off the pitch, but... I mean, they can't carry on postponing them. Surely they're going to get a massive bottleneck of fixtures at some point. Yeah, completely. Because they've got to play the Libertadores still. Mm-hmm. Once the Libertadores groups are over, presumably, is when they're going to be able to start playing the, the league matches that they owe. And what happens then if they've still only played one match and they end up owing about seven or eight <laughs> league games? It's, it's going to completely scrap the rest of the championship. The championship has to finish before the Copa America starts. No, it's going to be chaos. I, mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue with last weekend's game being called off I mean 
they had oh, a no, pre- absolutely. pretty horrible experience out there. Like. Plus, it was scheduled, I think, to be played on the Saturday, and they only ended up getting back to back from Caracas on the Friday because yeah. of, uh, on on the Saturday because of the the fact that they couldn't catch the flight, of course. Yeah, so that's fair enough. The other two games, it does seem a bit overkill. Uh, I'd, I'd say even without trying to minimise the accident, it must have been. I'd, I'd say even traumatic for everyone involved. You know, if I'd been at the Afro, I, I, I might even have been generous enough to to have given them the midweek game yeah, that they've perhaps. just had. But giving them this weekend match off is yeah. just a weekend. It could be played on Monday or Tuesday. Even I, I can't because the the round, the fourth round starts on on Saturday and, and ends on Tuesday. Um, also, I don't think it it's going to do Huracan any favours. To be honest, hmm. it means they're going to be. They're going to be what, two weeks, two and a half weeks without playing a game and then jump straight into the Libertadores. They're yeah. going to have kind of all these nerves. They didn't have the chance, you know, to get back out on the pitch afterwards and, you know, and, and face up to what happened. I don't think it's going to, it's going to work out for them, like, I think. Also, uh, if you're a regular listener and you listen to last last week's episode yes it was last week still wasn't it uh, to last week's episode you may recall that when we recorded it there was some confusion um, there were lots of very conflicting reports as to whether Patricio Taranto was actually going to have to have three or four toes amputated mm. um, it turns out that that was a, a, either a pretty sick joke or just a drastic misunderstanding from, from presumably somebody in the media calling back to Buenos Aires to give a report um, it's not happened anyway. He is in hospital. He's, he's been told to put his feet up and, and take a rest for a while. His um, feet with all, with but all ten digits. Indeed, yes, yes. but he, he does still have all ten toes. Uh, so, well done, Patricio Taranzo. We are delighted that you're fit and healthy, but seriously, please tell your employers to stop taking the piss with the <laughs> postponements. But is it Huracan that asked for that, or is it from the AFA? I've no idea. I, can yeah. only, I mean, I assume that Huracan must have done, wasn't they? I can't imagine the Afro just saying, "Oh, by the way, you can." Yeah, we're not going to tell you to play these. I don't know. To. Nothing. Nothing would surprise me to be honest. Indeed, there are a couple of other. Uh, we, we've spoken about Colón already, but there are one or two other revivals as well that I think deserve mention. Most of all, Vélez Sarsfield. Mm-hmm. Okay, they've played so far. Defensa Justicia, I think. Um, who else? They beat Argentinos Juniors three 0 in the last round of games, and they've beaten as well or drew with on the opening day was it Sarmiento uh, they lost 1-0 to Sarmiento on the opening day since then they've beaten Olimpo and Argentinos Juniors so it's no uh, particularly big shakes there but they don't look completely and totally useless <laughs> this you know any it's, small victory will do for the Villies after the year they had last year absolutely and, and we were talking throughout last year about well I was particularly about how I thought that the um big problem for them was a lack of experience and the fact that the experienced players they had weren't the right experienced players Leandro Somosa okay but Fabian Cubero kept getting sent off all the time Mariano Pavone is well he went to Racing of course halfway through the year but he was just a bit pants before that and um, against Argentinos Pavone scored twice and the kids look like they're coming together pretty well yeah well they've had and, a year to play I mean. but also I think crucially uh, Christian Bacedas appears to actually be a fairly decent manager it's his first yeah. First team job, of course, the former Newcastle player. Um, I know, I know a few Villas fans who kind of are familiar with the workings around the club, and that, and they've always spoken extremely highly of Baseas. He's kind of a very mm. serious guy who just gets down to work. He uh, he doesn't, you know, doesn't try and mess anyone around. And hey, you can see those years he spent as as the manager, kind of watching. Watching the players come through, he's obviously got a, a very good rapport with these young kids, and it seems to be a vindication. Obviously, as we said, with Atletico Tucumán, it's very early days, but uh, going out, coming out of the year like Vélez had last year, it's definitely a vindication of you know basically giving up an entire season in in favour of you know gelling a new team, bringing in these kids, and not panicking, not you know, spending thousands of dollars on I have to say, I'm, st- I'm still not entirely convinced that that was always the board's precise line of thinking as to why they refused to renew the president came out and say players it. and stuff. The president came out and said, we got yeah, $100 million to, in debt. Because he has to justify get it, it somehow. But essentially, I think they were saying, OK, it's basically impossible for us to get relegated during the next two years. Hmm. And we've got all of this debt. So 
rinse it out of the club because yeah, last year they were painful to the eyes. It yeah, was they just were dreadful. I don't think Rusa helped particularly. Like and, and this is one thing, yeah, precisely as well. <laughs> I mean, Basedas clearly is a more yeah. modern manager. Whether he's yet going to join this sort of clique that Hand of Pod has of. Uh, of, of young managers who are young forward lucky and everything. I mean, we'll have to wait until he's taken charge for more than three matches before officially enrolling him into that. Really, um, that's very un-Argentine media like of us. Oh, I really. Surely we that, can yeah. say he's the new, he's the next best thing. He's the great white hope of Argentine coaches until he loses two loses two games and he's a complete failure. Indeed, no, precisely. That's uh, a, a very. But, but, but read Fagunda Sava. I'm going to hold off judgment for one more match anyway. Uh, but that he's better than, um, or that he at least for the moment appears better than Russo, uh, whilst being an astonishingly low bar to clear um, in the 21st century, is I think pretty much undeniable. Um, and they're going to have a major test this coming weekend because they visit San Lorenzo. So that's quite a big step up in terms of quality of opponents. Also a bit of a grudge match. Yes, isn't it just? Remind us why, whilst I pour another match. Just lots of crowd trouble and a couple of deaths. I think it was back in 2013. A San Lorenzo fan was killed in Vélez's stadium. But by the even police. Be- by the police. But even before then, there were plenty of incidents. Fans chucking chairs at each other, all that kind of thing. So that's sort of been adopted as Vélez's unofficial Primera Derby in, in the absence of Chicago, except for last year. Hmm. That's why. So big game, big game, especially away. Yes, absolutely, and it and it will be a big test because San Lorenzo are arguably the um, only one of the big five who've really started at all acceptably, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of the fact that they still don't appear to have a, a defence. And in those terms, helped somewhat by a relatively kind fixture list. Uh, they drew two two, of course, on the opening weekend with Patronato. Since then, they've beaten Samiento two one, and they've beaten Olimpo two nil. So. The goals conceded per game is is steadily coming down, but it has to be said they've not really been tested that much yet. Of course, they also won't even yeah, way down. They won't do until until the eleventh well, round. Uh, so. but potentially Venice because Venice mm. have looked sharp, and if they can keep that up, as I say. But um, there are, you know, it, it's they did beat um, Boca four 0 in the in the yeah. Super Cup uh, a couple of weeks ago, of course, but. Boca were in a, a, a very, very deep rut at that point, which they've started to climb out of now. Um, I just get the impression with San Lorenzo that, that they've impressed. They're decent to watch, certainly. Uh, more fun to watch than they were last year. But um, I just they've got a bit of a soft underbelly. I can't help but suspect that. So it's going to be interesting to see how long they keep this up. Not that they can't, but that uh, I'll be interested to see it. And um, getting on to the rest of the Big Five, we just mentioned Boca. They finally finally got a win it felt felt like the first time in forever and actually I think it was the first time in about four competitive matches for them or something uh, they got a 1-0 win away to San Martín de San Juan with a goal from Carlos Tevez uh, couldn't all go well for them though because Daniel Osvaldo has um, aggravated a fractured toe because he already had a fractured toe and he decided to play with it in splints and now he won't be able to play with it for a while longer genius um, yeah <laughs> But it was Arroba Reina's choice to put him on the pitch for it as well. Another genius, yeah. So, is Arroba Reina out of the woods now with this win against San Martín? No, or? not at all. You don't think so? No, if he loses again, he's going to be right back in the shit. Who have they got at the weekend? They, at the weekend, have got... Bear with me. It's very difficult to flip just straight from club to club on these team lists now because uh, they're not all in the same group, of course. Uh, they've got Newell's at home. Mm-hmm. Which depends what news turns up. Precisely. And this is one a, another reason why in my bubble uh, weekend preview um, for, for this week, I have picked out Boca versus Newell's as one of the matches to watch. It might turn out to be a pretty awful match, but I think we're going to learn a lot from it either way because it's a case of can Boca take the momentum from here and actually start to gel as a team with, with the confidence that, that win's given them. Or is that 5-0 win over Racing going to prove to be Newell's turning the corner after the classic goal and suddenly coming together themselves? Because that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, I think the biggest worry for Boca so far is, you know, you've played three matches, 270 minutes of football and managed one goal. Mm. And that's with Osvaldo, Tevez, Lodeiro... And Alasios was, and Co. And it was and from a, Chavis, all, all a kind of an individual play on yeah. Tevez's part as well. It wasn't like a slick passing move to, mm-hmm. to put him in, which suggested the whole team working well together. Yeah. 
and oh, you could say they didn't exactly they weren't exactly an attacking force to be reckoned with last season they they did grind out the results but mm, you definitely have to look at that if, if a team you know with so many stars and you know comparatively speaking to the rest of the league absolutely full of money and you know international experience proven track record isn't isn't even really getting into scoring positions it's it's worrying like hmm. I saw very little of the game on Boca thanks to the new football badass policy which is quite irritating for those of us who don't get decent signal on some of the channels like America but they weren't very impressive to be honest we'll see against Newell's it's going to be interesting and then obviously uh, Racing away is is another tough game they've I think they've lost their last four against Racing. And I, you know, including summer tournaments, which have, I know you don't. And have they, have they got Racing away followed by Racing at home, or is it Racing at home followed by Racing away? Because they've got them in the Libertadores, f- and then the league a few days apart, or it might be league and then Libertadores. I think it's league then Libertadores. In which case it's away and then at home. Uh, followed, of course, immediately after that. No, it, could be away and a, it could be away and away. So now Racing are away for oh, yeah? their first match of the Libertadores. Okay. Uh, but either way, after two matches against Racing, they then have to go to River uh, in the league. So mm-hmm. it, it's going to be um, yeah. it's a high pressure couple of weeks coming up for Boca in particular, and for Racing and for River. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, 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 certainly um, no less pressure. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction been from from Racing's point of view to to the five nil against Newell's? Because that was <sighs> remarkable. Apart from one of the more um, I don't know whether to say unfortunate or, or, or brilliant on goals that I've seen in recent weeks. It was very well taken. Yeah. From a guy I didn't even know who was at Racing, I don't know if he's come out, come out from the youth team or this guy Schmidt. Damian Schmidt. Damian Schmidt. Definitely lived up to his name with, with that shot. Hmm. Um, no, nah, but apart from that, um, you could say as sort of an excuse that Racing were playing with an almost entirely... Uh, reserve team I think out of the regular starters there was almost no one to be honest Lissandro Lopez you could say who's, who will be there I think once he's got a bit of a bit of playing time under his under his head Saha of course Saha yeah Pardon me, I'm eating a biscuit um, and Bismarck has been starting Bismarck so, yeah so uh, yeah maybe so, three I think the, um, I think the double the double five like you know the first choice double fives always Serra and Awed mm-hmm. back there. So. Okay. But I'm not excusing him for that because how the, f- the hell are you going to put a reserve team going to play Nules in Rosario? It's madness. Well, with three games down in the season. Because you're away to Independiente on Sunday. Wednesday to Sunday, it gives you four days to, to recover, I think. Especially for a new coach like Sava, who's only been in charge for five games, including mm. Levadores. Um, then first five games you got to put your best team in every single game because uh, but what happens football fans then? aren't a patient lot what you happens then if get those, 15 points if, if those players then start to break down or to but what well, they're going to break down Bowles not going to break, break down Romero was on the bench and he wasn't even used and he's mm-hmm. Racing's best player by far Acuna is a tank and he never seems to tire and I don't I don't know how many of them them players played um at the weekend against San Martin, but they can play at least you know at least forty five minutes against Newell's. You put three or four first teamers in, and if a couple are, are struggling, you take them off. It's it's incomprehensible to me. Like. Romero certainly played against San Martin. He scored an absolute yeah. blinder. I don't know what you've seen. I did, and then he was off. Like hmm. I think Romero and Bo have to be playing every single game. They're both what twenty five or twenty four. Like I think Romero's even younger, and to have them click it. Clicking the heels on the bench is absolute madness. But I'm also not going to go as far as I've seen many Racing fans on Twitter uh, already asking for Sava's head because that's just bollocks. Isn't it? And on the positive side, you know, you're in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, you got, you know, perhaps as a result of of the rotation policy, or perhaps just you know, because that's the way God wills it. You got. Uh, fairly fit squad um, so now you know you've got two massive games in the league coming up away to Independiente and home to Boca and then uh, Libertadores group stages is kicking off 
those three games in the next week, you've got to put your best in for each of them and and get nine points. I think mm. you got. To, I think that's what Racing have to have to go for. If not, Sava maybe unjustly because he's had very little time with the squad. He's is going to be looking over his his shoulder. And talking of teams who could do with a win, Reber, um haven't had the best week in their history so far. Uh, they lost 3-2 <coughs> on Sunday night in Cordoba to Belgrano and then just last night on Thursday they lost 2-1 at home to Godoy Cruz um, two very different performances in spite of those because I thought actually for most of the uh, match against Godoy Cruz they, they were the better team particularly in the second half River had been completely shot in the foot before half time by Leon- Leonardo Pisculici who got a very stupid red card um, and if you had got somebody to just watch from half time onwards and ask them I think at around the 80th minute which team had had the man sent off before half time then it probably said Godoy Cruz because yeah, River from completely about dominated half hour yeah. in, the, in the last 15 in the first half River were all over him yeah, I mean, goal from Piti Martinez well. absolutely to, to equalise at the time to make it 1-1 and that came mm. after Piscolici had been sent off um, by and large it, it, it was a uh, I suppose you could say they were unfortunate with the result but at the same time the defence just keeps on going walkies mm. and there was a very bizarre decision in, in Cordoba against Belgrano when obviously Eder Alvarez Balanta got injured early on in the opening weekend victory over Quilmes um, and is out for I think another couple of league games still um, where Emmanuel Mamana was was playing in the reserve fixture um, and then wasn't even on the bench for, for the first team fixture with Leonardo Poncio starting at centre back, who of course is a midfielder and doesn't hasn't looked at all comfortable at centre back in the matches he's played so far, and with no cover at centre back at all on the bench, and we had the same thing again for the Godoy Cruz match on Thursday. I, I think Mamana might have made the bench, but he certainly didn't get off it. If he did, yeah, he was on the bench, but he wasn't used, um, and it just seems bizarre because Poncio, in many ways, appears to be the problem with this River backline at the moment. Uh, the yeah, way yeah. that they were working over the summer was going to be that Poncio was going to, from midfield, was going to drop be- between the centre backs when River were on the ball, allowing the full backs to push up and form a kind of back three uh, with, with the two centre backs to allow them to press higher up the pitch if they lost the ball, to recover the ball more quickly and to have width to the attack. And that's fine, but obviously, when Poncio is one of those centre backs, either it's not been rehearsed as much with Domingo as the, the midfielder dropping off, or um, they're not doing it because Poncio's causing all sorts of problems at centre back, and I just I know that Mamana is arguably more of a replacement for Maidana than he is for for Balanta, but please, <laughs> Maidana Mamana is a centre back partnership for the next match because it, it's it's been awful to watch mm-hmm. the the last couple of games. They're, the rest of the team going forward they seem okay, um, but in defence they just keep on giving stuff up. Yeah. Well, you look at River's backline. They've got Machado, who's not a right back, playing at right back. Mm. Got Poncio, who's not a central defender, playing at in the centre, and Casco, who's not a River player, playing at left back. And obviously, you got Maidana there, and he's trying to hold that the whole thing together. And I saw, him, I know River had had the upper hand for a lot of the second half and a decent bit of the the first, but. Godoy Cruz as well could uh, could have scored a few before. Uh, mm. They had some some breakaways that that were really really dangerous, and they were unlucky to score before um, that late one from Carabajal. So they definitely got problems at the back. Probably not quite as serious as Racing, who don't seem to have a clue how to defend at the moment um, in the Sava era. But yeah, definitely work to do there. In both cases, of course, there's. Plenty of reason to believe that as the team gels, and it, in Rivers' case at least, as Balanta comes back from injury, um, <laughs> River have got a lot of improving to do, sure. But I mean, yeah. there's every reason to have faith in the manager after after the last year and a half of his oh, yeah, charge. Yeah. And you know, no, nah, you're not going to lose faith in Gashado. But let's uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's not no. like they're in a full blown crisis, but uh, they could do with a, a decent result before much yeah. longer. And the other uh, member of the Big Five, Independiente. What do we think of their campaign so far? They've I haven't seen, played three and they've yeah. won one, drawn one, lost one. I haven't seen any of their games, to be honest, but mm-hmm. I'm surprised to see them down there. Uh, I thought 
going into the season, they were definite uh, definite title candidates after an excellent second half uh, our, our last season. And you know, obviously, unlike the other big five, they don't have the distraction of the Libertadores. They can just go full out for the for the league. Um, but it hasn't quite happened. They have been a bit unfortunate in that they they got a, a respectable 1-0 win over Belgrano on the opening weekend and then got held 1-1, if I recall <laughs> rightly, slightly fortunately, um, away to Godoy Cruz on the second weekend before having to play Rosario Central in midweek. And Rosario Central have pretty much have, have started... Uh, this league campaign in the same way that they went through a lot of the last league campaign by just going through teams like a runaway train. Did Ruben stay in the end? He did, yeah. He did. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he scored the second one against Newell's um, last weekend we with a lovely chip in stoppage time after he could have had at least one a bit earlier on in that match as well. Um, and I think he might have... Did he score last night? La Ronda scored La one Ronda. of them at least. Ronda got a penalty. And ah yeah, uh, Aguirre was the other goal scorer for them last night. Um, but Central are looking but in good Ruben shape. Them started off the bench. Yeah, uh, I saw him from Central a brilliant goal from Servi. I think it was at the weekend. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. They should enjoy him for for the short time he has left. I believe he's going to Sporting in June, right? I think it's Benfica, but yeah, Benfica. he's off to Portugal somewhere in June Portugal. anyway. Um, and yeah, Independiente. The bigger news from that match, in fact, was that uh, after the after the game, uh, Hugo Moshano's son went on Twitter and uh, basically said, "Right, me and my dad are quitting. See ya." Uh, every Hugo single... Moshano, of course, being the president of Independiente, and uh, Hugo Moshano was was forced afterwards, the, the day afterwards, to come out and publicly deny that his. Um, well, not deny that his son had said it, but publicly deny that what his son had said was, was true. He had to make very clear that they were not thinking of leaving the club or anything. I think um, all the Independiente fans I know would be delighted with <laughs> with that if they came true. Well, surprise, surprise. I mean, they voted him in, that's the thing. It was shameless, really, Someone given, voted him in, given the circumstances. Obviously, Cantero on the pitch wasn't the best president that, uh, that Independiente have had, but given the circumstances of just voting in so nakedly somebody who was sympathising with the Barra and wanting to bring them back in after the work that Cantero have been trying to do to keep them out, I have very little sympathy. <laughs> OK, I mean, for all I know, your individual friends might well have voted against him and been against him for the whole, no, I'm the sure whole time. They, I'm sure they didn't vote. In terms of looking at the sort of the mass of Independiente Socios currently criticising Moshano, I just think, well, what were you expecting? They no, the Socios didn't even vote, I don't think. No, sure. Talking, but talking what, in the country you've got several million Independiente fans. But if you're a Socios... 100,000 Socios and I think 8,000 voted. But again, it's, it's, you go back then to the problems with democracy or whatever, don't you? I mean, if you don't vote, doesn't then... Work. Democracy just then doesn't don't work. OK, if you don't have a right to vote in the first place, if you've not been a Socio for long enough or whatever, then I can understand it. But um, very angry with that. So you're saying they can... They can swizzle. Yeah, anyway, I'll get down off my soapbox now. Um, are there any other <laughs> issues to mop up, do we think, before we go to a break? Oh, I wanted to mention Lanus because they're taking full mm. advantage of a player who never should have been released by Racing, never, which is <laughs> Jose Luis Gomez, uh, who's... I thought you were going to say Jose Sand. No, I'm very glad he left. Even Sand scores in Lanus. He's got like, two goals in all his Racing career. But hey, no, Gomez is... Uh, right back I really rate he was very I'm not going to say excellent but he was impressive for uh, San Martin last year and online he came back and for some inexplicable reason Rassi let him on line again to Lanús he's mm-hmm. been ever present so far I haven't seen him play obviously uh, so I can't comment too much on his individual performances but I'm sure um, you know, if he's been ever present in a in a hundred percent team, he must be doing something right. Hmm. And Racing, on the other hand, have got Pichud, who somehow stays in Racing. I think he's gonna, you know, if there's a nuclear blast in Avicenna, the only ones who will survive would be the cockroaches and Pichud. And yeah, it's, I said it at the time; it was an inexplicable decision, I believe. Who's our resident Lanús in English fan? Phil uh, Phil, yes. Yeah, he asked me about it at the time, and I said, put it this way, I'm really irritated he's going to Lanús, and I think that's 
That's going to be borne out. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so other than Lanos, I don't think we've got anything really to uh, to say before taking a very short break to get a few more biscuits out of the, mm. the rustly bag um, and continuing with our recording with uh, a few listeners' questions and, well, a bit later on we'll have another mystical mystery guest, so don't go mystical away. mystery guest. This is interesting. to read some praise from regular listeners yeah. uh, because we've had a bit for some reason in the last little while uh, oh from, from new listeners in fact Ross Black has tweeted in to say I've just started listening to your podcast whilst delivering the post I really enjoy it need to work on my knowledge of Argentine football though well Ross that's what we're here for so don't worry about that and we're glad that you enjoy it um, and Tom Robinson says he's downloading Handapod ahead of the bus journey to San Paolo it's time to catch up on everything he missed during the haze that was the Rio Carnival that was a week ago I'm in the uh, same boat as you Tom Yes, Dan has essentially been, been using what I've been saying during this recording to catch up with what's been going on while he's been away. It's been very useful. Thanks, Sam. Mm. Indeed. Um, other stuff, other feedback. Liam Delaney has uh, volunteered for this week's Mystic section. I've had to explain to Dan, and I will now <laughs> use the opportunity to uh, remind listeners that um, I'm encouraging you to send in your own predictions for each weekend. Uh, just one different listener, preferably, per weekend. Uh, Liam is doing this week's. Liam Kelly, of course, did last week's. He got four out of 14. So he's essentially on track for uh, the, the target that I set with, with week one, which was five out of 15. Um, so Liam's predictions will be read out later. I think Roberto Rojas has already um, uh, volunteered to do the, the round five ones. But if you want to do round six or afterwards, then either send me a tweet or a quick email to check availability and then uh, once I've confirmed please send them in um, Stephen has sent us in a question which is who is the most underrated player to ever play in Argentina and after I responded to him saying you know we've only got an hour and a half for the episode don't you he said okay who's the most underrated player in the league right now yeah I think that's a better question much easier one to answer because obviously if you can look at all time you have to go back into the golden era, you'd you have, know, you'd have all these have an, years when a far greater knowledge of Argentine football than we've got. As well. Yeah, no, not so much for that. It's you know a value judgment, and you're judging people, you know, who we can't who possibly have seen play, can't and, possibly see, and who, there's so many yeah. you aren't even known in in Europe. You know, you're talking about all of La Máquina, uh, people like Corbata, Racing. Mm. No, although in fairness, I don't, think, I don't think any of, of, of those guys would be an underrated. It depends uh, if you're talking section. about from an Argentine point of view or from a rest of the world point oh, of view. Oh, true, yeah. But yeah. So at the moment, and, and let's say by the general Argentine media, of course, because the rest of the world basically mm. doesn't know anybody from outside Boca and River, who is the most underrated player, do you think? What a question. I would say in terms of um, his limited national team chances and the fact that he's been playing for a for a big club doing really well for years and before that for another very good club and winning titles I'd be tempted to say over the last 10 years Barovero okay and I think River are really going to miss him when when he moves away yeah I suppose as a River fan and therefore somebody very frequently yeah. sees him being very highly rated by other River fans mm-hmm. uh, it seems a bit weird for me to hear somebody saying that he's underrated but I would probably agree by fans of other clubs yeah. Um, that yeah that's, that's about right and River are going to miss him a lot when he leaves mm-hmm. in, in the middle of this year um, anyone else what, who would your choice be saying? it's got to be a defensive player hasn't it because well, the attacking yeah. players always end up being if anything overrated yeah. um, <sighs> I, basic competence seems to be <laughs> in in such short supply, and I'm now yeah. struggling to to think of a, I, I guess really a centre back or. I was tempted. I'm tempted to say Luciano Lolo, even though everybody knows exactly how valuable he is for Racing. Um, I'm not sure anybody is going to be able to quite appreciate what a, a talent he potentially is. Mm. 
until he inevitably, as he as he will do at some point, goes to Europe and uh, hopefully, now that I've said this, adapts pretty quickly mm-hmm. and 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 uh, moves on from there. Of course, six months ago, you could have said Ramiro Funes Mori because everybody. Mm. including a lot of River play, uh, River fans thought it was absolutely useless and it turns out not to be um, I've got another more contra- controversial choice as well go on I don't, know, I don't think he's still playing I think he hung up his boots at the end of last year possibly Polaco Bastia oh he's still playing he came he's on for Cologne playing. yesterday yeah. oh, he's playing for Cologne now I'm, I'm, I'd struggle to call him underrated though because I just think he's shit nah but, uh, look what he's done he's, you know, he's been there for years and years he was a second half substitution for Cologne so he's he seems to be doing a bit of a tour of Santa Fe province because yeah. he was with Atletico de Rafaela beforehand as well. He's um, from Crespo, I believe. Crespo, Santa Fe. Okay. Oh, is that named yeah. after Hernan? Or? Uh, I don't think so. I'd be very surprised. Uh, <laughs> Harry... Polaco could be up there. Okay. That is a controversial call, though. Harry Laws says, given the quality of the promoted sides in recent years, uh, for instance, Atletico Tucumán and Aldo Civi and so on, does this vindicate the expanded league format? No, not at all. No, I don't think it does either. No, I mean, it's great to see newly promoted teams doing well. Um, but this happened before um, in other years. Look at Belgrano, the, the year they went up. Sorry for mentioning this, Sam after after winning a certain promotion. Oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm over that now. Uh, Union, when they first came up, were, were very impressive. No, it happens. The problem is you're going to have these these newly promoted team that come up but look what happened last year with uh, Crusoe del Norte and to a lesser extent Chicago but for a good part of the year they were absolutely toilet yeah yeah and I think that's that's the thing because obviously Atletico Tucumán this campaign have been one of two promoted sides and, and they've started off yeah. very strongly particularly with the fact that, that those opening two wins came over clubs like Boca and Racing yeah. uh, fantastic story um but yeah, I mean Aldo Civi, the other example that Harry gives, a, a, a good reason why I think I would agree with Dan that the answer is no, because they were one of ten teams to come up, and when you promote ten teams all at once, inevitably some of them are going to be, yeah, you know, actually quite averages. good, and inevitably some of them are going to turn out to be dreadful. But I don't think it really vindicates it. I don't think it's a massive condemnation of it either. I think there are other reasons mm. to to argue that it's a terrible idea. Um, I don't think but anything could vindicate it, to be honest. No, it'd be really hard unless there was some sort of massive team conference. There was a fire, and they needed, you know, thirty directors to to put out, <laughs> to put out the blaze. I think even then it wouldn't be justified. How many Argentine club directors does it take to change a light bulb? That's a question we haven't yet been asked, but probably will be in jest next month, next week. Now, um, Lawrence Hart asks: Is Racing's poor form? due to them focusing on the Copa Libertadores or is it because Facundo Saba is out of his depth we're going to pass Ooh. this on to a resident racing fan um, what I can say is you know having missed the first two league games and seeing the second leg of the Puebla um, the Puebla playoff which was pretty good I, I liked how they played mm-hmm. and the game against Newell's which we talked about and I didn't like particularly Definitely the Libertadores is is skewing Racing's focus, I think, wrongly because you can't just put the league aside, especially, as I said, with with Sava being a new coach with everything to prove. Is he out of his depth? Um, I think it's far too early to say that. Uh, I don't think he is, but I would like to ask you, Dan, about another player who is an SA-something-A player, Saha. Who, I don't know how much of Racing's uh, goals conceded so far this year you've actually managed to catch up on, but he appears to have completely forgotten how to be a goalkeeper. This is true. Really he's, quite he's suddenly. Had a dip. Yeah. Obviously, Saka hasn't become a bad keeper overnight. Well, that I would, would be I'd contend that that's precisely what's happened. Yeah. In fact. <laughs> no, I mean, for the last two years, he was arguably the best keeper in the league. Certainly, Racing in the, in the season they won the league and. Mm-hmm. Potentially, and last year as well had had the best defensive record. So, if he's making these mistakes now, you got to look at the guys in front of him. I always think, um, you know, apart from certain rare flagrant flagrant errors that that keepers make, it's usually if you know they're letting in more goals than usual, it's because something's going wrong in front of them. And you can see that um, Racing played on. Um, Wednesday with you know completely improvised defence. I don't think they'd ever played played together with each other, and 
Uh, two guys in the middle who, you know, Camacho, he really shouldn't ever play for Racing again as far as I'm concerned and, and Vizmara in front of them. And there was just no protection. Uh, Avincula just flew past every time. Maxi Rodriguez made a, made a nuisance of himself. Coco was there and he just let, let the opposition play. And it would be hard to point out any of the goals on Wednesday that that were Saka's fault, you know, you know, no, really gross been, error. But before Wednesday, there have been some horrific flaps and yeah. spaghetti wrist examples and so on. I'd say it's confidence, yeah. like, since he doesn't have the confidence okay. he had in his defence. And when a keeper doesn't have that confidence, they start to act rashly, they start to, you know, try and try and force the, force the back line, you know, take, take matters on themselves and, and that's when mistakes appear. I don't think there's... There's any problem with Saka once, you know, a first choice defence gets settled again. I believe things will, will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope. That's the believe hope uh, conflict again. I think. Indeed, uh, Liam Delaney has a sort of similar question coming at it from a different direction and about a different club. He asks whether the Vélez revival is for real <coughs> or is it a false dawn? I was saying we covered that, didn't we? Like. We're going to start to find out this weekend when they play San Lorenzo, which is going to be a big jump up in quality of opposition for them. But I do think there's something there at the moment because last year, Argentinos Juniors against Vélez Southfield would have just been an unwatchable match that made you want to claw your eyes out. That's true. Um, and just in, in midweek, they actually, you know, they look like a competent team. They're gaining in confidence. They're starting to play like a team rather than a collection of of young kids who are convinced they've got to all do their own thing to impress visiting scouts or whatever. Um, so I think slowly they're gelling together. It's, it's not going to be um, uh, an easy transition and no doubt they'll have a couple of setbacks on the way. But I suspect that, uh, I don't know about revival to the point of view of challenging for a title just yet, but they're going to improve. They can't get any worse. A recovery then, mm. I'd say. Yeah. Um, Scott Monroe asks, how do you think Lucas Boschet will do in Europe? He's on his way to Torino in the summer. I think he's going to do terribly in Europe. Yeah, I never saw him play well for River and playing for Newell's on, on Wednesday even in you know a massively one-sided match. I saw nothing to, to get excited about. I've, I've said many times that if he was playing in any non-defence role other than centre-forward, I think he's got the potential to be a decent player. But he, as it happens, he's playing as a centre forward and he can't shoot straight. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't have very much confidence for him, unfortunately. Um, Chris Murtag asks, it's early days, but which player do Banfield miss most? Bologna, Vitor or Casares? I can't pick between them. I can't either because I haven't seen Banfield play. I've not yet. seen an awful lot of Banfield <laughs> either. Um, but let's have a very quick look at where they are. I have a feeling that I'm going to say, end up saying Casares, um, if only because he was so obviously the best one. Oh, they're in group one, aren't they? Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to pick them out. Oh, there they are, mid-table, yeah. See? Not a bad side, is it? Like, I don't think they can expect that much. 1-1, one, one, drawn one, lost one, scored four, conceded four so far, so it's, it's fairly middle of the road. But let's see who they've played in that time. Yes. Uh, there they are. They have got a 2-0 win over Gimnasia, a 3-1 defeat to Arsenal, oh dear, and a 1-1 draw with Quilmes. Um, Arsenal, even last year, did have the odd match where they sort of did that and just suddenly clicked in attack and scored a few goals and ended up getting a win they shouldn't have got. So I'm going to sort of err towards saying Casares, um, who, who ties the, the attack together, <coughs> particularly because... Of course, Vito's a central defender and Bologna's a goalkeeper. So losing both of them is, is possibly as cumulatively um, uh, a bigger loss. But in terms of one individual player who makes more of a difference, it, it has to be Casares, you would think. Um, although they do still have the other guy, don't they? Uh, the other Colombian chap. Ecuadorian? Colombian. Uh, Colombian, yeah. What's his name? I've forgotten. Mm, looks like he's not there. No, he's not, is he? He's no. gone. Water sign, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. I've completely forgotten what it was called. Question. Uh, Question. Mauricio Question. Well done, Mauricio yeah. Question. Um, no, it's not. So, anyway, I, I'm going to go for Casares. There we go. But also, Aquero. Ah, with an Aquero. That was it. 
Yes, because he went to uh, somebody in Spain, didn't he? Tenerife, mm. I think it was. Um, so I, I'm going to go for, yeah, Casares or Cuero, in fact. So It's kind of them two up front and then the yeah, other two at the back. And the other two at the back. It Basically was, hollowed them out. It was, as we identified over the um, in, in the season preview episode, in fact, it, it was a pretty bad transfer window for Banfield in terms of mm. keeping hold of key players. Um, those are all of our listeners' questions. Actually, I have a question. I'm not a oh, listener, I'm a speaker, but if I'm... I can be allowed a question. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the return of away fans? Have I missed any big updates? Big. Well, there were neutral fans uh, in San Juan for Boca Juniors that, yes. on, on Wednesday night. Um, but no, I think it's just been it's been stalled because it was only ever really an electioneering tool from the bloke who didn't end up winning the election um, last year. So we'll see. Mm. So there hasn't been any. Sort of scheme or supposedly or timetable put out. I, I did see something uh, in the bubble um, about a new registration oh, scheme again. Yeah, that's going to work. So it's one of these new things where you I'm know, still waiting for my Alpha Plus club. Precisely, to come through. Yeah, that was three years ago. I signed up for it. Still hasn't come through the post. The new government has got a different uh, system along the lines of Alpha Plus, which I suspect just means Alpha Mass. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the new the new government's got a different set of people it wants to pay bribes to basically. I'd say Afamas or Afer Extra. Hmm. Those are my those are my two top calls for the name. If any of the current government's lawyers are listening to this, then I didn't say that last word uh, that last sentence. You just misheard it, and I copyrighted it. Indeed. Um, so yeah, for now, play it by ear with regards to um, to away fans and what's going to happen to them, essentially. Um, and now we go into the mystical section of this week's podcast which this week is brought to you by Mystic Liam who I've just realised I need to bring up my email because that's where he sent the predictions in with Um, so here we go Okay, here are Liam's predictions. This is a different Liam, of course, as I said already to last week. Last week, uh, Liam Kelly guessed round two's results and got four out of 14. Nobody guessed round three because we didn't record before round three. So Liam is predicting round four and his predictions are as follows. Arsenal versus Sarmiento is a draw. Atletico de Rafaela against Tempele. He seems very hesitant, but he's going for a draw in the end. Belgrano against Banfield. He's going for a home win. Boca versus Newells, he's also going for a home win. Aldo Civi against Estudiantes, draw. Independiente versus Racing, home win. Just when I thought we could be friendly. <laughs> Tigre versus Defensa Justicia, home win. Godoy Cruz against Colón, away win. Lanús versus Atletico Tucumán, draw. Quilmes versus Patronato, he says, dear God, um, draw. Rosario Central versus River, home win. That River defense is his comment. Uh, San Lorenzo versus Vélez, home win. Union versus San Martín, draw. And Gimnasia versus Olimpo, home win. He correctly also guesses that Argentinos versus Huracán is not going ahead. Uh, there are an awful lot of home wins and only one away win in that list, which is brave. Very brave. I'd say you Let's have a look at the um, Universal Football do this excellent page where they break down the, the results by home wins, away wins, and... and uh, and draws and so far round on round we have had nine home wins and two away wins in round one nine home wins and three away wins in round two and four home wins and seven away wins in the midweek round that just finished um, so well the focus on home wins may may turn out to be wise or it might turn out to be foolhardy we shall see um, but obviously Liam is currently just trying to beat the other Liam for scores out of 14 um, and, and therefore he's got four to try and beat so we shall see who does better what's the prize for the the best achievement still, I still haven't decided on whether there's going to be a prize yet but I am considering the idea of, of maybe clubbing a few of us together if anybody else on the panel is up for it and paying for some sort of very small football souvenir that we can post out perhaps I was um, going to say a lifetime subscription to Hand a Pod but if you want to do a gift that, that could also work yeah a lifetime subscription to the pod would be an excellent idea and very good value for money um, I think that's it excellent I don't think we've got anything else to cover this was a very short episode because there were only two of us and uh, Dan hadn't seen any of the football so there was mm. only so much talking we could do I should do this every week 
Indeed, yeah. It, it, we end up with a nice, easy to, I suspect, easy to edit um, and hopefully easy to listen to episode of Hand of Pod. I just saw something came up about the contract of Oscar Romero's twin brother on TweetDeck. Really? Where's that? A bit further. There you go. Multas resentimientos y obligaciones. That one. Or detalles. Oh, yeah. Is that them? It looks fairly similar. Let's see what this is about. It might be Oscar Romero. Ah, know. Lucas Romero. Ah. Ah, there we go. Ah, he's going to Crusader, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. We will, if that turns into a big story, we'll talk about it on next week's Hunter Pod. Um, but for now, listeners, we say goodbye to you, and Dan's going to run out because his girlfriend's locked herself out of the house. She has. She won't appreciate you saying that, but... She's not locked herself out. She's not going to know that I've said it. Um, So, thank you very much for listening for another week. We will be back to normal recording days and times next week, which means probably recording on Wednesday evening. Uh, But for now, it is goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. (laughs)